everybody, and welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. I'm your host, Diane Gibbs, and I am a designer. I have my own company, as well as I teach graphic design at the University of South Alabama. Um, and I teach graphic design. And um, I am joined today with Nikki Villagomez, and she is has also taught graphic design, but she has also started a chapter of AIGA. And the reason she started a chapter was the same reason I started Design Recharge, was really just to get designers connected and connecting and so today this is uh, I do not have there is not a AIGA which is American Institute for Graphic Arts um, there is not an AIGA chapter in our area so this is something the closest one for me is in New Orleans so I um, I'm gonna pick Nikki's brain about how she actually did that but I'm gonna get let her kind of tell you about her background um, and what she's doing now and what she and she actually travels and talks and speaks at AIGA chapter meetings. So, all right, Nikki, give them a little bit of background. Okay, um, I have my BFA from Louisiana State University in Baton Rouge in graphic design. And after I graduated from LSU, I got married and moved to New York and worked for three years in Manhattan at two different companies. And um, the last year we were in New York City, my husband got his master's in architecture from Columbia University, and he was offered a job in Columbia, South Carolina uh, when he graduated. So we moved to South Carolina, which is my home state, it's where I'm from. And we lived there for um, nine years. I freelanced and taught at the University of South Carolina. I taught graphic design and typography. And um, two years ago, we moved to Ohio which is where I am currently. There's snow outside. <laughs> and um, I am a senior designer for Dixon Hughes Goodman. So um, that's, that's where I'm at now. I'm, um, my my full-time job is um, working for healthcare consulting, doing their design deliverables. Cool. So when you moved to New York, did you get involved in AIGA mm -hmm. there? Um, my first involvement with AIGA was actually as a student member at the New Orleans chapter, which is what's close to you, <laughs> the closest chapter to you. So I was a student member while I was a student at LSU, and we traveled um, to a couple events. Um, it was about an hour and a half from Baton Rouge. So I was a student member, and then when I moved to New York, I transferred my membership to the New York City chapter. And then moving to South Carolina, there was no chapter. So the closest chapters to Columbia were the AIJ Charlotte chapter, which was an hour and a half away, and then the Atlanta chapter, which was three hours away. And both chapters are pretty um, active and had really great events. But most events, as you know, are on a Thursday night at six o'clock. And so it would, it would, it's a big commitment if you don't live in the vicinity of the area to, um, to go to these events. And then they always serve drinks and it's like, you know, trying to figure out how you get back home without, you know, drinking and driving. So <laughs> that's an issue too. So um, that's, so yes, yeah, so then I'm, I'm currently a member of the Cleveland chapter, which is about half hour from where I am now, from where I work. So when, in that nine years that you were in Columbia, yes. you, how many years in, did you decide, hey, I, I want this, I need this, I'm going to start this? Um, it was about three months in, um, about three months, because when, we, when, I, when I left New York, I had, I had worked full-time for three years, and my husband had a full-time job, so I thought, well, this is a great um, 
opportunity to freelance. And what I learned was it's actually really hard to freelance when you don't know anybody, when you don't, we don't have any clients. <laughs> so I thought the best way to meet people and to get clients was to go to AIGA events. That's, that was kind of what I had been groomed to believe as a student and then in, in the New York chapter. So that's when I started looking around and saw there, there were no, um, there, there wasn't anything local. So I looked into what it would take to start a chapter. So it took, um, this was in, I started trying to get it going the summer, late fall-ish of 2003. And the South Carolina chapter launched with our first event in September of 2004. Wow. So it, it's a process. It was definitely a process, but um, <laughs> that's how it did. It didn't take long for me to want to do it, but it took a long time to actually get it going and make it legit. What was the biggest struggle? Because it took about a year, I guess, maybe a little over right. a couple months right. extra. Um, mm -hmm. What was the biggest struggle in starting a chapter? The biggest struggle in starting the chapter was getting, you have to have by AIJ standards 20 signatures to start a chapter. And the disconnect for me was the signatures that they needed have to be professional members. And now there's all these tiers with memberships that AIJ has just rolled out. But um, when, when I was starting the chapter, it was either you're a student member or you're a professional member. So I was getting students to join, um, to sign this petition. I was getting professionals to sign this petition. I got up to 20 and they sent it back and rejected it and said, no, they have to be 20 professionals. So then I started again, and because there was no AIJ chapter, when a professional joined, they had to actually join the organization, which is 300 and something dollars. So you're asking a lot of somebody to put down that kind of money when there's nothing going on yet, and they don't even know who I am. I'm just this new girl in town. So that was a huge struggle for me, was getting those 20 signatures. That's what took a lot of time and a lot of convincing was who do I who who's the, who are the right people to go to to sign this piece of paper were most people familiar already with AIGA or did some people hadn't had they never heard of it um, most most designers know about AIGA um, I think it's rare if you're in our profession and you've never heard of AIGA I think that's kind of a red flag yeah. so yes they they were aware of AIGA there was another organization that was just kind of um, just specific to Columbia, CCAS, Columbia um, Communications Art Society. It was just a group of people because there was nothing local, they kind of came together and started their own group. So that at the time that AIGA South Carolina was getting going, that group was kind of fizzling out in a way, like everyone was kind of burned out. So it came along at the right time and I tapped into that group to kind of get going they had a lot of connections but um getting those 20 signatures was tough i can imagine so now they've really changed and this happened this past fall or this past summer yes where they changed their mm -hmm. tier it was like student <clears throat> student membership fee is 50 dollars um you have to be connected yep. with a, a a university you have to have a, a a guide you can't just be all students and then and i think that's right. still the same case but then there's, yep. you have to be connected, just like with any of them, you're trying to be connected with a specific chapter. You're going to get their promotions. You're going to get their emails, things like that. Um, but now they've changed it so it's much, there are more tiers, and it's not as much of this huge in, investment uh, of funds. 
and I, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that tiering system or, or why they did that, but I am really thankful that they, they did something like that. And I'm going to try to pull up that site real quick and plop. I think they had to, I think they needed to do something like that because it's just, it's, it's a lot of money to ask people with the way the economy is to lay out several hundred dollars for, even though we believe in the organization, it's just still, it's a lot of money to lay out. So I think it was important that they, they came up with these tiers and I think it's a really great solution. Definitely. I'm trying to find the, the, um, RMA. So I, this is how they're breaking it down. I think, let me see. Um, overcome. Here we go. I'm looking at their site, trying to figure it out. Um, I'll send this, I'll plop this up, but there's the trustee, which is the, you know, $209 a month or $2,500 a year. There's a design leader, which is $500 a year, which is $42 a month. There's the sustaining member, which they say is the most, um, the most popular, I guess, and which is $250 a year. Um, and you get a lot of, you get a little bit of extra when you do the other two above that, but that's $21 a month. And then a supporter is $150 a year, $13 a month. And they have a lot less, they have about a little over half of all of the benefits. And then a contributor is $50 a year, which the students actually become part of that contributor thing, which I think um, is, is really great. But I'm going to plop this um, uh, URL up too. Okay. Yeah, I think it was important that they did that. Yeah. Well, it helps out people, especially in this economy, to still want to stay connected. Um, because, so what are some of the benefits? You had been part of the student chapter in New Orleans. You went to New York. Mm -hmm. You were part of the Manhattan chapter. What made mm -hmm. you think this is, this is, and it is more than just networking, but what are some of those yeah. benefits that made you like, I've got to start an AIGA thing and not another organization? I think um, for me, being a student member and seeing how beneficial it is as a student and what I got out of it, and then being a professional member for three years and seeing what I got out of it in that respect, um, I felt like South Carolina had a big enough design community that we, could, we, sh we had no reason to not have a chapter of our own to sustain a chapter. Um, and I the best things that came out of it is just that once a month networking where you're in a room surrounded by like-minded um, creatives that you just have that instant um, connection with because you, you share so much in common. And um, there's a lot to be said for having that. I mean, the same thing with this design recharge, you know, it's just, there's a feeling you get from it. It just gives you that extra oomph that you need to, to keep going. And um, I really started feeling like I was missing that because I, I went to a lot of the events in New York and I really loved them. And, and I thought there's no reason why South Carolina can't have that. And so I really wanted to um, bring it there. And I thought, well, if I'm freelancing right now, um, I, I have no, I have time to do this. So I thought, how hard can it be? <laughs> can't be that hard. Well. It turns out it was actually really hard, but that's okay. <laughs> you stayed in. You didn't give up, which I think is awesome. Right. Um, I am on to kick this 
this semester about like just stay in the race just keep going even when you don't feel like it just keep yeah. going just keep getting those signatures or whatever but one thing I think is right. so so Charlotte is in North Carolina and you said that was about Correct. an hour or what? an hour and a half an hour and a half mm -hmm. again this isn't really doable when you're trying to you work right five five thirty six o'clock and then you're trying to make it to an event at six o'clock that's an hour and a half away right um so i'm with you because uh, new orleans is about two hours away and then birmingham is four hours away so i'm with okay. you on the it's too hard to travel that far um when i can only imagine i mean i'm glad that you had had that um really stability in you'd seen it as a student you'd seen it as a as working you were working at a design firm in new york but then coming and doing freelance it's so critical to stay connected to other designers to have other people to show work yes. or to just get feedback or to just like me and you will talk on the phone sometimes and it's like oh my gosh it's like i feel like i've known you for forever just because we get jazzed <laughs> about certain things but when you show me what you're working right. on and i follow her um, in a lot of other areas, which we'll share those later. But when you see that stuff, it, it is that continual encouragement. So I can only imagine yes. if you had had that really support your whole design career to come and now you're freelancing, you're wiped out of the other people in your office, and now you're yep. working alone. So I can understand yep. why you stayed in that race and why you just got this done because it was so important. So I'm... Yes. I'm glad you did, but did you have other people who were really on board from the beginning and really helping, or did you feel like you were like Joan of Arc in there alone? Um, there's another designer in um, Colombia, and I, I wrote on Facebook prior to this, Bob, if your ears start burning, you'll know why. <laughs> um, Bob Wirtz in um, Columbia, South Carolina, he was my vice president, and the two of us um, just rolled up our sleeves and we got to work and he had been in, in Columbia a lot longer so he knew a lot of people to go to and a lot of sponsors to ask to help get us going that I would have no way of knowing right. and Bob so I served as president for two years and then um, Bob was president two years after me so and he's been an active part of AIGA since then so the two of us together, and I think that was the other thing, is that we didn't have this massive board. It was really just him and I in the beginning. So it wasn't a lot of pointing fingers, who's, you know, who's going to get it done, who's accountable for this. Um, it was just me and him. So if I didn't do it, I knew he was going to be able to do it and vice versa. There was no, I hope he does it. You know, I hope he makes those phone calls he said he was going to do. Or So um, to be able to do it and have somebody on my side that was as passionate as me was um it was it was i'm very thankful for that and um we've stayed we've stayed good friends i think because you kind of we've been through that battle together you know yeah, yeah. It, it is i mean that's a long time to just try to get something going um yeah did you have anybody in aiga that was kind of mentoring you to help you with these ins and outs um i know that there um, an AIGA, um, I'm going to put this on the screen, but did you have a specific person yeah. that was helping you with kind of figuring it yes. out? Yes, so um, George Fernandez is in the national, he's, he's the staff of AIJ National, he works in New York City in the office there, and he is part of the membership um, 
on the membership committee. So anytime I had a question about people joining or if somebody had a question about how to join or anything, I would go to George and he was very helpful. And Denise Wood is another one that's in the national um, chapter of the national organization that works in New York that was also very helpful and answering a lot of questions. They sent me all the materials that I needed to hand out at events um, to get it going. And the other thing I did that was very helpful is um, in the summer they have a um, leadership retreat for all the chapters. So they pick a city and board members from all the chapters from across the country come to this city for three or four days and talk about what's what's coming down from national national what are the changes what's happening on a local level what's going good what's not going good so i attended the leadership retreat um, the summer before our chapter launched so our chapter hadn't even been official yet and i was at this leadership retreat and that's that to me was extremely helpful because i got to hear from chapters that had been along from you know around for a really long time what was going good what wasn't going good um, ideas for events that we could have so so that was really that was really helpful so the first year um, going to that leadership retreat was really great cool so okay so one of the big challenges was getting the signatures so Bob kind of had the ins yeah. and outs about the um, community the design community that already existed mm -hmm. um, how mm -hmm. so you had to get people and it was a lot of money they had to invest when there wasn't something they right. could do was that one of the biggest challenges or what was another challenge in just trying to build that community or did they already kind of go to this with, other ccas thing yeah i mean i think just convincing people that you know they didn't know who i was I was young. I was um, 27 years old, so I was the youngest president at the time. I think I was the youngest founder of a chapter. So, um, you know, who is this girl? Why should we believe anything you have to say? You're asking for a lot of money. What What's going to happen? So um, I needed to have a couple events built that I could say, we're going to have these events in the next few months that you have to look forward to. And that was another thing is that I was so passionate about um, because I know as a member, if I'm paying 300 and something dollars to be part of an organization, it pissed me off when I was in New York and I had to pay money at the door to go to an, like 20 bucks if I'm a member, to go to an event that I'm already paying several hundred dollars a year. That made me so mad. So that was definitely one of the, um, the things that I said from the very beginning, as long as I'm president of the South Carolina chapter, you will never get charged at the door for an event because I truly believed that was just ridiculous. That's me, my personal thought. Um, so that resonated with a lot of people to not have to pay at the door that all events would be free. And then, you know, trying to, as the chapter grew, trying to have events also in Greenville. Um, Columbia is located in the center of the state. So having events in Greenville, South Carolina, which is in the um, west part of the state, and then having events in Charleston on the east part of the state, just so everybody could benefit from having a chapter that was about the, the whole state of South Carolina. That's cool. So what was your first event? What were your big pulls that you were trying to get people on? And how did they, how do you pay for those things? I mean, did they give you a certain amount of money, even though, I don't know, can you give us? So the way that works, yeah. So the way that works is you, 
the chapter gets a percentage of all of the members. So if I'm paying as a member of the South Carolina chapter, 300 and I forget what it was at the time, I think it was $295. AIJ South Carolina would get a check from national that was about $90 or something like that per, so we would get a portion of that membership money. So we would have that money coming in. And then we were able to secure sponsors that would give us $500 for the year. Um, I think that's what it was. We had a couple of those. So we had enough money to cover a few flights. So our first event was Alexander Isley. And so he came and did our big inaugural event. We had it at the Columbia Museum of Art. It was very, very nice. And I think the museum donated the space. We had corners and saved money, but that was our, that was our big event. The next event was um, the one event that we inherited from that organization, the CCAS, um, and it was our, it's our annual um, competition. It's the, in, we call it the in-show, and so it's um, only open to South Carolina designers. And that is the only event that we ask people to would pay to submit their artwork um, to be judged. And so that is our, the big moneymaker for the entire year. Usually in-show would fuel the rest of our programs. So. We had enough money to bring in Alexander Isley and have food and drinks and stuff at the Columbia Museum of Art. And then the next month was in show. And so we got a lot of money from that because that was a very successful event, having that competition. People love entering competitions, you know? Yeah. And then, um, and then after that was the culture exchange. And I had met um, Bonnie, who, is the pre who was the president at the time of the Honolulu chapter at the leadership retreat that I was telling you about in the summer. I just put the wrong and, um, sorry. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I, had, I had sent Diane a bunch of images of, our, of all the different um, events that we had. Yeah, so that's Bonnie on the left there holding up the South Carolina state flag. So I had met her and I had introduced um, myself to her saying, hi, I'm Nikki, I'm the president of the South Carolina chapter that's almost about to launch. And she said, hi, I'm Bonnie, I'm the president of the Honolulu chapter. And that's been my dream destination forever. And so I have no way of going there anytime soon. So um, I thought it'd be really neat to do a culture exchange where we would put anything and everything in a box that had to do with South Carolina, including a lot of the pieces from InShow, which um, were pieces designed by South Carolina designers for South Carolina clients. Cool. And um, can I drag this window? Is that right? Yes. You, can. you just drag it to the side. And drag it so that it's either over the chat or wherever you want it to live. Um, yeah. That's a great thing about screen okay. caps, So. Cool. Um, so I we had this uh, culture exchange, and then they sent us a box for our December event. So it was a very cheap event in terms of cost, but it was a really neat event because we opened this box and um, everybody got lays everybody she sent sand from Waikiki but then she also sent um, pieces designed by Hawaiian designers for Hawaiian clients and um, I was just really spellbound by the pieces that they just felt and looked like Hawaii and so that's kind of where my whole blog came from which is my WordPress site which I it was kind of spun off of this one event. Yeah, so in her WordPress, her blog is right here, so you can actually click on it. I'm going to leave it up here. I'll also put it in the chat. But it did, it was this huge so, kind of um, impetus. That was a great event. So at this point, we had had the Alexander, go ahead. 
no, no. We had had it the was just a um, good start for your. Um... Oh yeah, for my blog. <laughs> um, so we had three events. We had had the Alexander Isley, the In Show, and then the Culture Exchange. So there was reputation now that we were legit. There were events going back to back, and so. After that, we had um, Ed Marietta come from the Cartoon Network. That was our event in January, and um, that was really fun. So that drew out. He got a huge turnout for that. And I think um, most of our events from then on were held at the University of South Carolina, and they donated the, the auditorium. So that was awesome. Um, my husband's an architect, so we had an event where we joined forces with the AIA chapter in Columbia, and we brought in Joshua Ramos, which is that that piece you had up earlier. He is the um, he's an architect for OMA Office of Metropolitan Architecture, and he did the Seattle Public Library, and um, that was a really neat event to for me to to show that AIGA events just they don't have to be about graphic design. We brought in an illustrator, we're bringing in an architect. Um, we brought in house industries who, you, you know, they do the hand design typography. So I, I was, it was really important to me to um, bring in different types of creatives, not just the typical designer. But my goal was to have somebody every single month and we did and our, the two years I was president, we got a really great reputation for the events we, we had, we brought in um, Chip Kidd, we brought in James Victory, which his poster um, is the the, the crazy, crazy look one, yeah. And that one was fun because I was actually in New York um, visiting New York City and went to his office in Brooklyn to um, pick up the files for this. And so I got to hang out with him and get these files. And he's just, he's just a class act guy. So it was really neat. Um, Seymour Quas was another one from Pushpin. It looks like um, he did a hand illustration of the, of the guy wearing the boxer shorts. Um, yeah, <laughs> and that was a fun one. That one got a really big turnout just because he's so famous. You know, he's so well known um, in our industry. And Tim Hale from Fossil, that was neat because he got to design the, the post, he did the postcards and he did a series, so it was four separate postcards, and we mailed them. This is, that's the other thing. We didn't have Facebook or Twitter. You know, everything was either by email or um, by regular mail to get the, the word out. And so it was really fun for me to try to um, have different types of mailers go out, whether it's a poster or a postcard or just to get people excited about it. So, um, Let's see, Seymour Claus, Chip Kid, And then the next year we did in December, the culture exchange was with Las Vegas. So I had done Hawaii the previous year. So I was on the hunt at the leadership retreat to make friends with a president um, of another chapter that would be willing to do this crazy exchange. So um, I made friends with the, the president of the Las Vegas chapter. And um, it, was, it was just, again, it was so neat to open this box and, and have such a different vibe come out of it than Hawaii. Hawaii was very um, quiet and very um, uh, blues. The, the colors were very organic. The type choices were very um, soft and subtle. And then Las Vegas, and it's like, I needed to be disinfected, you know, opening this box with the, all this crazy stuff coming out. But um, their, their design pieces were very bold, very in your face, um, big, bold colors. Every, it just felt like Vegas, you know? And so, again, that's what kind of led to my, my blog. But 
um, that that was another event that it was an inexpensive event, but we're still having events every month. So at the beginning of the chapter, when Alexander Isley spoke, which was in September of 2004, we had um, we had uh, 31 members that that night. By the end of my presidency, two years later, Michael Beirut from Pentagram was my last speaker. I was five months pregnant with my son. Um, we had 132 members. So it just completely grew um, quite a bit in the two years. And 132 members for Columbia, South Carolina is a, is a pretty good, is a pretty good amount, you know. But um, the best thing for me that came out of it, one of the best, there was a lot of best things, but um, the education chair I became really good friends with her, Stephanie Nace. She's the the um, head of the design program at the University of South Carolina. And she asked me to speak, to, to speak, she asked me to teach graphic design and then typography as an adjunct. And so I taught graphic design and typography for five years at USC, and that was just phenomenal. And so I remember going to events as a student and how lost I felt as a student. You know, I'm so intimidated by all these professionals. So I wanted to find a way to make my students feel at home. So I really encouraged them to help with the setup the takedown, um, whoever was doing really well that month of an event, I would have um, two students come out to dinner with us, with the speaker. And so that was really neat that we would get this, this big group, this big table together and there'd be a couple students there. And I think that the professionals like that too, having a student at the table, you know, because they're, they're reaching the whole demographic there. So I really tried hard to include students. I think that's great. I think I remember even just as a, a young designer, I moved from Auburn, Alabama to Denver, Colorado, and I got involved in AIGA, but it was, it was very intimidating. All these people knew everybody. Yep. And, um, yep. And it, it, you know, I definitely think design can be very incestuous in a way that if it's a really good company, they're probably not going to um, hire, you know, put an ad out in the newspaper or um, on a, you know, monster or whatever they're going to. Right. It's word of mouth. And that's why I mean by saying incestuous, it's, you know, I'd rather not find, I'd rather not hire anybody. I'll just keep doing it until if you hear of somebody. And that's why I tell my students, I was like, just ask to go, to show your book around. Don't ask for an interview because they're not hiring anybody, but they might right. see your stuff and be like, ooh, I know where you should go. And even if they don't have a position, they might make a position if it's a really good fit. And, you know, I just think you gotta, you gotta just go out and show your book as much. And I still think that when you go and you network at these events, as a student, it's great because you're seeing how professionals work, interact with each other, and it's not always this com competition. We may be two people competing for the right. same job, but we're not like gonna destroy somebody's piece, or or I'm not. I mean, that's not the way most designers are. Um, but I think the AIGA, I think that's great that you kind of encourage that, and and I do think helping set up and take down and whatever you can do helps you interact with people. So I would definitely encourage that for anybody, not just a student, but any new person to a new uh, area or a new organization, just getting involved. I think that people, it, 
it can it can really benefit. Oh, for sure. So you talked about sponsors, and I guess you know mm-hmm. my first thing I would be thinking of is printers or paper wraps or um, you know anybody that could do anything with the industry that would already have a mm-hmm. have a impact on the industry. But what did you do, and and what would you do today if you were having to find sponsors now? That's that was that was where Bob really helped me because I'm horrible at that. I hate asking for money. I hate doing anything that has to do with money. Was just is really hard for me. Um, luckily, one of the one we had two big sponsors: Blue Cross Blue Shield, which is an insurance company in the South. Um, they and that's actually where Bob works. Um, they were very supportive of AIGA, and even though $500 is a lot of money for AIGA as a nonprofit to receive, for them, it's a, probably a drop in the bucket. It's not that big of a deal, $500, and they can write it off, and it supports there. They had several designers that were members, so it made sense that they supported it. Um, another organization was SCANA, which is an electric, electric company and <laughs> local there. Um, and they also had an in-house design team that was very supportive of AIGA and they also, you know, contributing that money for them was no big deal for us. It was huge. And then we would get sponsors that were, um, what's it called when you do it like in trade. So I think like an in-kind donation kind of thing. So, (coughs) um, we had printers that would be, that would they didn't donate actual cash, but they printed all of our mailers for free. Right. Um, and for them, that was great exposure because it's going out to their target market. Um, and they also did us a, a huge service by, by printing for free. So today, yeah. if I were looking for sponsors, um, I think it would just, I would go where there's a lot of in-house designers because those are the companies that are willing to, um, to donate some some actual dollars and then the in-kind donation printers I I would think because it's a design organization and AIG is very well known um, would be more than happy to print a couple you know mailers as a as a donation do you feel still think you would do as many mailers as you did before even though there's so much with social media that you can do um, probably not. Probably not. I, I have realized with even the events that I've been speaking at lately, it's Twitter and Facebook is, is the way to promote these days. The mailers are just, I don't know, they, they don't have the same effect. I, I, I just, they're fun to get in the mail and they're fun to design, but they don't have the same effect as, as Twitter, how it gets the word out instantly in, in Facebook. It's it's just funny because it's um so much of like you know the linotype machine you know people would like I I know I've never seen it work but you know it was like this huge massive technology back whenever it came out and then now it's like you know we have computers we don't need a linotype machine so if you were a linotype right. operator you lost your job so it's the same way with design right. I really I am very passionate about making sure that my students understand how to use social media um, to promote. And because we are not just promoting ourselves, we are promoting our clients. And this is not, it's right. not like it's the only thing you need to do. I still think that there are printed things 
needs to happen. I'm totally, I love print. I still will design in print. And that's why I think posters are great. But I think so much stuff comes in mail, in the mail that we just think of mm -hmm. as junk, which I, we do keep that, those beautiful pieces. But could our money be sent, spent a little bit better and we could do more promotion right. and get in touch with more people? Maybe, but I right. still think you should get a poster. And I still think, you know, there's other things that you could do. The big, yeah. Printed. But, um, but it's just funny because it's really changed, you know, social media. I know. Taking us Taking over. Yeah. Well, and also, you know, my dad worked for Georgia Power for, I don't know, 30-something years. And, you know, they had their own printers in-house. And so, you know, think about what I like is that you partnered with people who were not your typical printer, you know, paper rep, things like that. Because that was what I was thinking of. But I think it's great that you did these in-house things. But even a... Now, granted, a Georgia Power might not want to print your thing, but they might. They used to do, when I went to tour Georgia Power when I was in school, my dad wanted to prove to me that designers did not use Macintosh. Of course, he was wrong. Um, <laughs> we were right, but he, we went to the to Georgia Power and we toured the whole thing. There was a pr whole big printer, like six-color press down in the basement, four-color. They had a whole bunch of different um, presses and then we went to the design area, and it was, you know, I think five people, and it was all Macintosh. And so I got to get a Macintosh after that. But they would say, they said 90% of the stuff they did was for nonprofits. They would design it, print yeah. it, everything. And so sometimes going to these other places, these in-house places or something, they actually are willing to do it, even these in-kind donations as well as yeah. financial money. But also it's these gems. I think that... This is something I found with just doing design research. I may connect with somebody who may not be in how or in um, print or CA, but they are doing amazing work, but they just, you know, haven't gotten their voice out yet. And I think everybody has yeah. something to share for sure. But, um, but I have found some people who I think, you know, are just really, really neat and, um, now you can they can get their word out and i know just having people who were these huge big names that people didn't know really is is great because it pulls in mm -hmm. more people but i also think it's great that you were doing something every month but that takes a ton yeah. of work yes but that was the most important thing to me was to have events every single month we and even in the summer we would have um like a beer break where we would meet at a bar but that would never be our main event during the programming year. Um, and then we also had an Adobe event where somebody would come and talk about um, the latest, like a, it was more of like a classroom setting where she would walk us through the new ins and outs of, of a program. But it was, it was really important to me that with the amount of money that people are paying to be a member, that they, they got their money's worth. And so having events every month that were free was really important. What do you think, what was your favorite type of event was it the more of the education or was it more of the um the speaker talking or what um the, the speakers were fun just because it's there's something to be said when when you've studied these people in books in college and then they're sitting right next to you in the car and um you're picking them up at the airport and 
uh, it's that was that was the most fun was hanging out with these guys behind the scenes. But hearing them and seeing them talk about their work and hearing the backstories of a lot of the projects that you only know the logo, you know, but hearing the the backstory behind it, that was really neat for me. Um, personally, the the most fun event were the culture exchange. Those are the ones that really obviously had had a big impact on me. Um, but the hanging out with the big name speakers, having dinner with Chip Kidd and um, going to an antique store with James Victory or Andy Cruz from House. I mean, it's just, you can't buy that kind of time with somebody, you know, it was those, that was really neat. That's cool. Um, what do you think is the biggest draw to AIGA? Do you think it's the, uh, the, like the meetings that are regular in your town or do you think it's the big events? Um, yeah, um, I think the national the national conference is a huge draw for people, and the the local events are also really important way to connect within the community. The national is is a way to connect on a national level. Um, but I think the huge draw with AIGA is just is the connection, having having a reason to get together with other creatives that you share a profession with, um, and finding out what's making them tick what client pissed them off, um, I can't believe they wanted to make that logo bigger, you know, just like validating all the things that you think, especially as a freelancer when you're stuck in your, in your house and thinking, am I going crazy that they want another revision? Um, but, you know, being able to talk about it with other designers is, is a huge, huge draw. Um, and then, you know, just being able to go and be inspired by, by speakers is, is, is great. So AIGA really has a wonderful reputation um, across the country. Every chapter, that's the thing that has really taken me by surprise is how passionate these people on the board members, everybody's volunteering, nobody's getting paid for this, but they're, they're doing it because they truly care. And um, it's really fun to be around people like that. Definitely. Um, I know that you have, I mean, you, you've done all of that back work, you've done the um, yeah, you had people in and now you are actually going and talking about about the stuff that's on your blog. So how did this come about? And did you ever would you have ever thought you were 27? You said when you started or no, it was yeah, yeah. when you were in Columbia and you were when started, I started after mm -hmm. um, did you ever think that you would be giving a talks like you would be these keynote speakers or these Thursday night speakers that people come and, yeah. and listen. No, absolutely not. Not not in my wildest dreams. Um, I I definitely had long. I, I'm a big believer in setting goals. That that to me is number one. I I truly believe if you don't set goals for yourself, nothing's going to happen. Whether they're, I think it's important to have short-term goals, mm -hmm. and it's important to have long-term goals. And usually the long-term goals are the craziest ones because they're like, ten years out. I hope to be doing this. Um, so a long-term goal for me when I was a student was, man, wouldn't it be cool one day to be speaking at one of these things because it's just it's so neat that you're able to inspire a room full of people I mean how neat is that so never did I think that I would be a speaker yes it was a long-term goal but I didn't I wasn't I wouldn't be bummed if it didn't happen but I did set it as a goal um, I remember announcing the speakers and thanking sponsors and at the beginning of every event and my husband would always say you sound like you're about to cry. You sound so nervous because you, you sound like you're about to cry. My, my voice would shake and I'm so nervous speaking in front of people. So um, 
I don't know. I just, I feel like I'm getting better in terms of speaking in front of people, but it's still, I'm a, I'm a very introverted person. It's still very much outside of my comfort zone to, to go and speak. But um, I have a very crazy passion for typography. And so I love to be able to, to share that with people. And so I'm able to set aside the, the crazy nervousness and, and talk about my blog and, and the, the crazy typography stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. I, th I think it's funny. Um, I get really nervous when I'm speaking in front of my peers, way more nervous than yes. I do speaking in front of uh, 100, 500 students. That doesn't bother me at all, I guess. Right. I think yeah. these people are going to know that I don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Or they're, they're going to oh, yeah. think that what I think is really true is not necessarily true. So, and it's right. always that doubt, I think. But I do think it's like being on a bike. The The longer you keep pedaling and keep trying, you, you're going to get better at it. But you have to stay in the race. You have to keep practicing. And I think that speaking yeah. at big events like this is, is something you just have to practice. I'm with you on the being nervous and, and stuff like that. So. Yeah. And as they say, you know, it's the, the things that screw up, the moments where everything goes wrong, those are the moments you learn from the most. And, you know, if you can survive those, then, then you're okay. I mean, the, the thing, uh, being president of the South Carolina chapter that I struggled with the most was if the speaker's flight was going to be on time, um, if they made the flight, and um, how many people are going to show up for the event. Because how awful would it be if you bring in James Victoria and three people show up? Um, you know, you just, that can't, that can't happen. That's not, that's not a solution that is even possible. So those are the things that would keep me up the night before us. You know, how big of an attendance are we going to have? Um, is he going to make his flight? Is the weather going to be okay? Um, you know, the things that were out of my control. I can, I can lock in the sponsors. I can lock in, um, you know, the promotion for the event, but the things that were out of my control were the things I really struggled with. Did you try? Luckily, we never had anybody miss a flight. <laughs> oh, that's good. Did you try yeah. to specifically choose people from like southern areas during the winter months when it would be problematic traveling? No, no, we were we were all over the place. We we were not specific to regions during times of years. We just um, we were we just if they said they could come, we locked them in. And luckily, we never had a problem with anybody making the flight. There was one issue with James Victoria's talk that um, the auditorium at USC, there was a teacher giving an art history lecture. And so the door was locked up until like 20 minutes before. And so everybody was like, all the AIGA, I mean, you can imagine James Victoria had a great turnout. Um, sure. was, everybody was like out in the hall. And I think the art history, they were actually taking a test or something. And so it was just... That was very nerve-wracking, and he wasn't too happy about that, as you can imagine. But that was really, as I, what I'm thinking, is really the only hiccup we had along the way. We were very fortunate. That's great. Well, do you think that yeah. um, if you were if you were doing it again, um, and I I know that you're in the um, where you are now, you're involved. Would that be something that you would recommend for a new designer or a um, maybe new to an area or somebody who just wants to get kind of recharged? Do you think that that would be something you would tell them, hey, don't just go, but volunteer? Definitely. I think any experience you have in being involved with AIGA is a successful experience. Um, 
any kind of ins and outs that you can get, um, even if it's helping set up or helping take down, a lot of chapters I know um, will let you in for free if, if you can help set up and, and take down. Um, but just being part of the chapter and just being involved and going to as many events as possible is just a, it's a huge bonus. And I know a lot of the chapters have um, like student portfolio reviews or um, like a mentoring program. I think those are really important to be involved in any, any way because my, my whole, my, with my past, I've, I went from Louisiana to New York to South Carolina and now Ohio and um, AIGA has been the constant thread for me. That's always been there, um, except South Carolina. It wasn't there. I, I had to make it there, but it was there. Um, but if you're a student and you go to school in a certain state and then you want to branch out and go somewhere else, there's bound to be an AIGA chapter somewhere nearby. That's an instant connection. It's an instant portal for you to tap into and be able to get your, your foot on the ground. So I think it's really important to stay connected to AIGA. And it's a it's a line on your resume that no matter where you go, everyone, even out, out of the country, people know AIGA. It's a very well-respected organization. So what about, I have a, just a couple more questions. Um, what about the, how much would you, would you, in the beginning, when you're, you didn't really have a chapter, or it was very new, and you were trying to get big speakers to come in, did you have to pay them or just pay their way? And then... The other question is, if you, um, when you were just calling them, were you or Bob calling them and being like, hey, we have an AIGA chapter, would you like to come and speak on Thursday, whatever, whatever, you know, whatever date? Um, was that, I mean, that would have been nerve-wracking. Did you get in touch with them, or was it through email, or? Um, yes, there were a couple speakers that, that asked to be paid. There were... Um, a couple speakers that we paid, a couple speakers we said we just don't have it in our budget to pay. Most, 90%, there were only two speakers that we paid. 90% um, of them, the rest of them, it was just paying their way. We paid for their hotel, um, we paid for their meal, the dinner that night, and then that was it. And they all know it's AIG is a nonprofit, they're doing it, you know, to, to better the community, they were totally fine with it. Um, so that we that was that worked out fine. The second the second question I knew I was going to forget what it was about calling. What was your second calling question? Oh right. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. I for some reason I've never had a problem emailing other people. When, if I had to get on the phone, that would be an issue. Um, when I was a student at LSU, I emailed um, David Carson to come and be our like guest judge for our senior show and. And I remember my teachers thinking, you're insane if you think he's going to come. Well, it turns out he did come, and he had brought books for everybody, and he was just typical David Carson. But that was kind of like a, a precursor to everything that what, what happened to, in my life is, yeah, I got David Carson to come to LSU, and yeah, I emailed Chip Kid, hey, can you come to South Carolina and James Victoria? And I did it by email. I just emailed him and just said, Here's our calendar. Here are the months that we have open. And the whole trick was getting them far enough in advance because they're so busy. So a lot of the times, like James Victoria, I think we had him booked eight months in advance. Michael Beirut, I think, was a year in advance. Um, but what was good about that is we could talk about it at every event. Michael Beirut's coming in June, and it's September. Get ready. Right. <laughs> um, 
but because of that, it would get people excited about it. So yes, I emailed them um, to set up all the details, and then usually I picked them up at the airport and um, just kind of hung out with them until it was time for the event. So um, getting people to come wasn't that big of an issue. It wasn't an obstacle. Uh, that wasn't that wasn't hard. That was actually fun. Did they usually leave that next morning? Yep. So they would spend the night, Thursday night, and then um, Joshua Ramos was the only one that did not, the architect. His dad lived in North Carolina, so he went, I think his dad came to the event, and then he drove with his dad. So everyone else would stay in a hotel right by USC, and, um, and then they would fly out the next morning. Cool. Um, okay, so um, I, I'm very encouraged for for one, totally. So I appreciate you talking Good. to me about this. I hope it encourages some other people as well. I definitely think AIGA is such a great event. And I have gone to some smaller events. They were national, but they were like in Austin. And it was, it was like a design yeah. camp. And so it felt it was... They have these really big events, and then they have the local events, but then there's also those that are kind of, they feel like they're more regional, but it's more in-depth, and you get one-on-ones, or you get, you know, 15-on-one with some of these really amazing people, and I would definitely suggest yeah. people checking those things out, too. Um, I like that they're offering different things at different levels that are, are right. some are just one night, some are, uh, you know, four days, and then some are two days or something, and I think everybody's different and it's nice to be met on different levels for sure. But, um, so w there was yeah. one more, uh, image. I don't want us to forget an image. Oh, oh there's the end show. Yeah. That's the booklet, um, that went out the night of our gala. So those are thumbnails of all of the pieces that were chosen in the show. So what we did was, um, we brought in three judges and usually one of the judges was the speaker for our September or October event and the gala was in November so one of the speakers was one of the judges so he would speak on um, one night in October and then the next morning would spend the whole day at a local photographer studio where we had all the submissions set up and we had plastic cups turned over on all the pieces and the three judges would go by with either a red chip and a green chip so it's either you're in or you're out and the pieces that were all green um, we're in, and um, these are thumbnails from the booklet that everybody got that night of pieces that made it in the show. And cool. so it was a it was a neat event, and show's a fun one. That's great. Um, let's see. I'm gonna plop up here your um, Twitter, and then if you guys yep. don't know, Instagram is now you can actually use it on the computer. Um, it, I believe it went live this week. Um, and then you can also follow Nikki there. And I definitely suggest that because she posts awesome pictures. It's on Twitter too. You can see those. <laughs> but I like the visual nature of Instagram. So definitely check it out. Yeah. Um, follow her. Follow her blog. She has great stuff. And you can actually add in. You can send her some images. She's also on Pinterest. So you can check her out there too. And then this is for me. Um, you can, if you want to know more about Design Recharge, it's designrecharge.org and um, also Diane at designrecharge.org.
And Todd, I'm glad you got got to come. Hopefully you'll get to listen to the rest of it uh, for sure. He's locally here with me. He's at another college. In okay. Brazil. And so him okay. and I met and we would like to do something. So now I feel like I can maybe do it now. So if you have somebody on your side, that'll be willing to help that. I mean, like my relationship with Bob, I mean, that's, that's what sealed the deal is that we both were committed a hundred percent. And, um, it just, it made it so much fun. You know, it's, if you start pointing fingers and people getting catty with each other, it totally takes the fun out of it. So if you're able to join forces with somebody who cares, truly cares about having a chapter, it, it'll make it so much fun. And then just, keeping it going, just having a lot of events. That's, that's how you get the community involved and supportive. Definitely. Well, I'm, but I, I was, I was going to mention one more thing that just, um, I think the thing that made a lot of difference too was, um, asking local creatives in the community, what kind of events they wanted, um, to see and responding to that. Don't just ask and not do it, but really listening to what they want and, and trying to answer those requests. Cause that made it, that made a huge difference. Well, then you have buy-in already. You already know what they're wanting. Right. I am with you on that. And I'm all about that for here as well. So if you want to get in touch with me, tell me something um, that you want to see on design recharge. And of course it's not showing up. You have to hit the little more button over there in the corner, but there's me on Facebook, um, design recharge on Facebook and then design recharge on Instagram. Um, but I am very willing. I am looking to try and get, um, Marius Valdez asked me to do some find somebody to help help with grant writing. So I'm gonna have a show about grant writing because I think you know a lot of us just as artists we have um, as designers we have a passion for something and maybe even if you're not at a university you want to do a project and it might benefit the community or something. So I'm gonna I am on that and hopefully uh, we'll get somebody soon. But next week we're having a lawyer is going to come and talk to us. He's a big spreecaster. Um, he's in Southern California. His name is Mitch Jackson. He's going to help uh, talk to us about contracts because, boy, are contracts important for designers for sure. But um, yeah. And I agree with you, uh, Nikki. It's really important to have it kind of long-term. I have to kind of schedule things out a lot of People, you know, are busy right now, so you kind of have to. I don't have a year in advance, but I have a few. Um, I have a, a, at least a month in advance, usually always planned out. Thankfully, because it makes it less stressful for sure. But Nikki, yeah. thank you so much. Thanks for encouraging me and um, hopefully encouraging lots of other people. And if you have questions or um, comments, please let nikki or i know and um we will have her back on again because she's always such a great guest so thank you so much for coming and um i hope it helped and it was great to have you andy and into persuasion so hopefully you guys had a good time and um, todd hopefully you can catch the rest on the replay and i'll see you guys next week same time 2 30 eastern time 11 30 pacific and thanks again nikki so much Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye.